Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Bovey in Ontario, Canada. And it's a snowy Ontario today. We had a fair bit of snow last night, uh, nice and bright out there. And this is another episode of The Yacking Show. This is the show that provides you with a greater range of actionable business ideas and tips than you will find virtually anywhere else on the internet in one place. As always, we have interesting guests. Today's guest is certainly no exception. But that's not my job to introduce guests because Kathleen does it a lot better than I do. So my first job is to welcome co-host Kathleen Bovey from down the road from me in Waterloo, Ontario. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you so much. And thank you all very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So do please keep those coming. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, feel free to go to our website, theyackingshow.com, click on the contacts tab and complete a short application form. We would love to hear from you. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. Her name is Sandy Rodriguez. Hello, Sandy. How are you? I'm great, Kathleen and Peter. How are you doing today? Excellent. Thank you. Good. Nice to have you here. Sandy, you are a business owner. You're a speaker as well as an author, and we'll get into the details of that in just a little bit. But you also, you specialize in helping businesses scale and start, basically. Can you give us a little bit about your background and what led you to start? In fact, you've started several businesses of your own. So can you give us a little bit about that? Well, the funny part is my very first business was being a Tupperware lady, which... Ah was a thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I was a school teacher. I taught fourth grade for six years. And during that time, I had my own Tupperware party that was immensely successful. So I got recruited and I turned right around and recruited and did sales fast enough to set a record to be driving one of their vans as an executive director in three weeks. Wow. <laughs> so wow. I was like, okay, this is pretty good. I guess I could do sales. <laughs> um, but, um, a few years after that, I had my first child and decided I wanted to leave teaching and stay home. And so I gave up the Tupperware job. But at the same time, my husband in 1991 had started a screen printing business, which he was running part time. So as a now stay at home mom, I shifted gears and became a work from home stay at home mom mm -hmm. and uh, started helping the DNS designs business with our screen printing as that's what we were doing at the time which was a business we started because my husband was an artist. So if if you're following me carefully, you've now heard me say a teacher and an artist started mm -hmm. a business. <laughs> you can yeah. see where this is going to go. Yeah. <laughs> no business background here. Um, but we managed, we figured things out. We did enough. We added embroidery. We added promotional products. He did hours and hours of training. He tells me it's something like 150 to learn how to do websites and in the meantime, I was learning about marketing. So DNS Designs is a little bit more of an agency now where we're pretty uh, full service for our clients. Um, during the pandemic, like a lot of businesses, we were hit very hard. Mm -hmm. And we also lost my mom to cancer. And we were facing becoming empty nesters. And all of that made me take a step back and say, what do I really want to do for the rest of my life? Do I want to just keep selling promotional products and doing marketing? And the teacher in me said, no, <laughs> but I didn't want to go back into a classroom. So um, realizing I'd already helped for pay, actually, a couple of distributors in my industry as a coach, I thought, well, maybe there's something there that's I can help them not make all the mistakes I made, not having any idea how to run a business, you know. 
And so I said, I was talking to a business friend and I said, you know, Sandy's always solving problems. And I somehow it came out Sandy solves. And she went, oh, I love that. It's like, really? <laughs> so we played around with it, asking some other people and everybody resonated the same way with it. And I thought, well, I mean, it is what I do. I come alongside women in business. I look at the problems they're having and I solve them. So I guess it works as a title <laughs> and it lets me teach again, which is something I really wanted mm -hmm. to get back into. So there's another business on the bubble, but we won't dive into that because it's going to be really industry specific. But yes, I, I can't seem to be just just stop with one business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. So you mentioned the, um, I would almost call it a handicap, and I'm not being rude, about having an artist and a teacher trying to start a business and uh, not a lot of business background. What, what are some of the specific problems? And this will be a benefit to other people taking the entrepreneurial plunge. What were some of the specific problems you faced in those early days? Well, let's start with bookkeeping. No mm -hmm. idea how to do that. We went to an accountant. He, she handed us something called a domes book, which was very, very simple. And it was probably the smartest thing she could have done. I mean, this is you're talking pre-technology here too. Right. Uh, but it was money in, money out. So we managed that. And so with the help of an accountant, we managed to handle the bookkeeping part. But there are a lot of people as entrepreneurs, they don't even know where to begin. Mm -hmm. And today with all the tools you can choose from, it's even worse. Mm -hmm. I actually recommend to a lot of entrepreneurs, go buy a Domes book. You can still get them. It's just dated and you put in what you spend each day and you put in what you bring in each day. It's really easy. You just add them up. And then each month you start over again. You carry the numbers over. Super, super easy way to do bookkeeping. You don't need fancy software that comes later um the other thing was that we had never screened well i say that my husband had done a like maybe a little dabble of screen printing in college so he wasn't completely clueless but it's not like we knew how to run a whole shop mm. so we had to overcome that hurdle learn about screens and mesh and inks and all the things that go into that and we got good at that and then clients were like well can you embroider something for me well very early on, I learned to say yes, and then go figure it out later. It's kind of a dangerous way to grow a business, but especially as the sales rep for the business, which was my major role, was to bring in the work. And I would go to my husband, guess what? We're going to do this now. He says, I don't know how to do that. Well, then we'll figure it out. <laughs> so when you get into business and you have no background, you spend a lot of time doing that, saying yes, yep. and then figuring it out afterwards. So we figured out embroidery. We got a machine. We learned threads and tensions and all the things that go along with embroidery. Then somebody said, how about mugs and pens? I'm like, yeah, I'd probably do that. <laughs> so I embarked on a whole new learning curve. And that was completely different. At least embroidery was still clothing. You know, it was mm -hmm. still yep. wearables. Yeah. But promos, that was a whole nother ball of wax. And I was blessed to get in with a trainer in the very early days who had an excellent program. And he had a mastermind group. This is, was my first introduction to being in a mastermind that cut my learning curve by more than half. So mm -hmm. I was very quickly up to speed, understood how to price, how things worked, what all the language was, because that's a whole industry in itself. It's oh. wearables. They... They're complementary, but they are definitely not the same. So I would say the biggest thing was that we just, we literally had no idea what we were doing until we had to do it. Mm. You know, sales and marketing, other than being a Tupperware lady, I, I just went around and told people, hey, we screen print. Do you need t-shirts? Hey, we screen print. Do you need t-shirts? Over and over again. We put an ad in the yellow pages. Remember back then when you put ads in the yellow pages? Yeah, That's yeah, not a yeah. thing anymore either. <laughs> I would go to the Chamber of Commerce meetings. I was even on the board and was like, 
of learning how to network. That's another thing entrepreneurs don't know how to do when they get started. How do you meet yep. your ideal clients? And nothing beats face-to-face. I will still say that. Face-to-face networking in front of the Absolutely. right people will always be the best way. Then there is you know, a million other methods today that are virtual like this, like Peter, you and I meeting in Discord. You know, yeah. that's, I had a client call today with someone that I met in an online class we've been taking together. It, it's just, it's crazy how you can get connected today. So, right. Yeah. Right. That's uh, it, it. Lots and lots and lots of learning. And then we added the websites, like I said, and my husband had to yep. train all that. Um, how to grow and scale that that's a big key because that mm-hmm. became important to Sandy solves. We hit what um, one of my coaches calls the ceiling of complexity in our business at one point where we literally couldn't do any more without adding team members. We were mm-hmm. just maxed. We had a family and we were doing as much work, as many jobs as we could. We had a couple of people helping with screen printing at that time, but I was still holding down the fort entirely in the office alone. And I literally had no more time. So I wish I knew then what I know now about what is so essential to scale. And mm-hmm. that is you can't do it alone. Yep. I needed an assistant of some kind that I could start delegating some of the tasks to, and I didn't do it. And it cost us. That business did not grow the way it was supposed to. We took a huge hit from the 2008 downturn and never mm-hmm. really recovered from that. And we took another hit from the pandemic, which mm-hmm. because we were doing websites at that point, we didn't we weren't hurt as badly. So diversifying was kind of key for us too. to have that more agency approach is what mm-hmm. saved us from going out of business because a lot of people I know in my industry did. They yeah. couldn't yeah. survive not having those jobs. Right. So, but scaling is an art form in and of itself. I'm glad I know it now. And it's one of the things I love to teach as a Sandy Solves advisor. I want to save other women from going through the aggravation and frustration and lack of life that I had. <laughs> right. Well, I, I know Kathleen's got a burning question for you, but a quick one. <laughs> when you first started, did you have any customers or, or did you start the business and then look for the customers? That's pretty funny. Um, our first job was, uh, this is going to date me, but we were, we were in New Jersey and there was a lot of frustration with Governor Florio. So the very first t-shirts that we were commissioned to print were t-shirts that said impeach Florio. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that's a good point. Um, We were able to pick up clients pretty quickly for uh, kind of maybe an unexpected reason. I remember I had been a teacher. I went to all the schools that I had connections with, told them what we were doing and said, we can print t-shirts for you. And because they knew me, I had that personal connection. We started doing a work for a lot of schools pretty quickly. But remember, we did this part-time for five years. We did not go full-time for five years. So because we didn't have to depend on that income, it's a great way to start as an entrepreneur. As long as you've got some other income stream to support you, um, one of my favorite business mentors says it will take five years to ramp up a business enough that you can live off of it. Yep. And yep. that was yep. absolutely accurate. At that five-year mark, the job my husband had been working was actually cut and we had no choice but to go full-time. So we did. Mm-hmm. And we had two little kids at that point. So it was not uh, an easy decision. I, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Kathleen, over to you. So let's get into your the services that you offer. In fact, I have a two-part question here. So let's talk about your services. And then 
Uh, according to your website, you're an Evernote certified expert. Can you get into what Evernote is? And uh, because there could be a lot of people out there that are interested in it. So first about your services and then about Evernote. Got it. Um, so DNS designs offers, like I've said, screen printing, embroidery, promotional products, websites, and marketing um, in, in an agency effect. So for example, I got a call from someone today who'd been referred by one of my clients said, I need shirts um, embroidered. Can you do these for me? I said, yes, absolutely. So I looked them up on the web because that's what we do today, right? We go look at their mm -hmm. websites. And I went, uh-oh, <laughs> their website has to be at least 10 years old. But my brain sees as an opportunity. I'm going to wow him with these incredible shirts. And then I'm going to say, by the way, did you know we also do websites? I noticed that, you know, yours might be ready for a refresh, you know, very kindly, very gently. And so then they become a very holistic client for DNS designs where we're serving multiple needs for them. And we really enjoy that. It allows for a lot more creativity and variety in the work rather than just producing product. You know, we get to actually get more involved. And then I bring a lot of Sandy soft skills to that to help them build and grow their businesses and especially their branding. Um, then Sandy Solves has a couple of components. It's first and foremost, a business advising one-to-one, -one, um, whether it's a VIP day or a 90-day uh, session with me where we're meeting once a week for three months to accomplish specific objectives. Like, for example, I had a client who wanted to go to Spain for 10 days and not worry about her business while she was gone, didn't want the texts and the phone calls. So we built up her business in the right way, built her an operations manual, brought on a team member, delegated out tasks, and she just took that trip a month ago and didn't have to worry at all about her business while she was gone. She loved it. Um, another, she was growing. She was working till 11 o'clock at night, every night. She had children mm -hmm. uh, and we both agreed, this is not good. This is not good for you. It's not good for your family. We've got to change your business. So we brought structure and again, an operations manual into play. And I just learned this week that her business exceeded a million dollars for the first time. Wow. So that was just, ooh, yes, that felt so good to know that I was able to help position her to be able to achieve that goal. Um, and so I'm mentioning operations manual. So I will circle back to your Evernote question mm -hmm. because that's the tool I recommend to my clients to use. Evernote I say it's your backup brain. Um, it is the best place to store the information we all have to remember today. We live in an information society. And, and for a while there, I was suffering from information overload. And I know I'm not alone in that. Our brains are not meant to remember that much, mm -hmm. right? So Evernote is the best place to put it. The problem with Evernote is I say it's like Play-Doh. Somebody hands you a lump of Play-Doh. Now, if you're a creative, you go to town and you start making something. If you're like me, I go, what do I do? I don't know what to do with this. And you get frozen. And people sometimes stare at Evernote like that and say, well, what do I do with it? I did, what's this thing? I work with people as a consultant or Evernote expert, as we're now called, to show them how it works, what the features are, why you want to use different things, but most importantly, what kind of structure to put on top of it. Take the Play-Doh, build it into what you need it to be. So for me, I use templates. I have workflows. Um, I have calendars. And all of it is structured into uh, notes and notebooks and notebook stacks in very specific named ways. And I teach this. I help mm. my clients make it work the way they work. Because as you keep hearing me say, I do things very customized, very personalized to people's needs. 
And that's where Evernote is at its best. Every other app, you have to learn the app the way it works and just use it. Yes. Evernote, you build it to work the way your brain works. And I think that's an unbeatable feature of the program. Um, and so one more thing, well, I'll get back to that because I know you've got another question for me about what else I'm doing with Sandy Sob. So we'll let that roll. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I want to jump in quick on Evernote and tell you my experience with Evernote that I started using Evernote, I, I guess, seven or eight years ago, uh, quite a while back. And I found it very good for clipping articles, uh, web pages and, and doing a rudimentary sorting. And I used it a fair bit. And then I found that it was easier to bookmark websites or pages of websites on using Google bookmarks. And now I use a different browser and I sort of forgot about Evernote until I got a reminder that there was an upgrade and I had a look at it and I thought, you know, this does a lot more than I remember it doing. Mm -hmm. I should actually look at it. And that's as far as I've got. So leading on from that, for instance, uh, uh, Kathleen and I use Asana to keep track of our guests for our show and what progress it's in. Has it been edited? Bang, bang, bang. But it's not ideal for what we want. So without you asking all your Evernote secrets, is that an application we could build in Evernote? Absolutely. I have used Asana. I've used Trello. I've looked at Notion, ClickUp. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty familiar with the tech landscape. And to me, nothing holds a candle to what you can do in Evernote because you can make it do what you want it to do versus in Asana, they have a structure, they yeah. have capabilities, and that's it. You yeah. work with what's there. In Evernote, you can build it out how you want. You're working with a blank slate. So we'll have to talk. Yes. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> yes, thank you for that. For sure. Most yes, definitely. Good. Kathleen, over to you. Was it you or was it me? No, that's your turn. <laughs> See, I start talking and I lose track of what I, you know, I'm a male, a male. I can't keep two things in my head at the same time. So, <laughs> excuse me. Um, if you look at your, your clients without giving any individual secrets away, what would you say some of the biggest challenges facing entrepreneurs who want to scale up their business are right at the moment? Well, some of the first things I hear are nobody else can do it the way I do it. Mm-hmm. So I have to do all the things, which is really, really wrong. <laughs> um, I had a client, the one that went to Spain, who told me that. And we mm -hmm. happened to be on one of our coaching sessions. And she said to me, oh, that's right. I got to remember to book a flight. I said, no, you do not. And she said, what do you mean? I said, that's why you brought on an assistant. Your assistant needs to book that flight for you. Well, she won't know what to do. I said, why? Well, because I do this and I do that. I said, then you document everything you just were telling me. You write all that down. You give it to her and you tell her book the flight. If she has questions, she'll ask you. And if there are questions, it means you didn't document it well enough. So you put more detail in that note. So this is a note in Evernote for her, for her assistant. When you book a flight for me to travel, here's the considerations. These are my preferred airlines, where I want to sit, what I'm willing to pay, what times a day I want to travel, which airline you know, which airports are, whatever. You put all the parameters in there and the other person is now informed enough to make the decisions you would make. And this is really, really key for a business owner to move into that CEO mindset. CEOs don't book their own flights. Mm -mm. My mom was an administrative assistant for years. She did all the work. They were... <laughs> You know, she she would book everything, make meetings. She'd set up the caters. Like she managed everything. That is what a woman business owner who is scaling up their business needs. They need mm -hmm. someone handling all of those steps. So we start with that. 
The other thing that I have um, women do is we look at what can we automate? What doesn't really need to have your fingerprints on it? Um, and what can we delegate? And we take those tasks and we automate first because that's a less expensive buy-in because mm -hmm. all this stuff costs money and we don't want to sabotage the success of the business by spending all the profit. So we automate what we can first and then we look at what can be delegated, preferably to VAs. I'm a huge fan of using mm -hmm. VAs because they're very targeted in a niche. Like if you need graphics creative for your social media marketing, hire a good graphic VA. That's all she'll do for you. It's just create everything you need. But do you know how much time that could take up? Mm -hmm. I know because I still do it. Yes. It's hours and hours of work. So we start looking at, and also by doing it that way, it's not, again, it's not like you're hiring someone to your team. It may come to that sure. down the road. You may need that team member, but for now, baby steps, just yes. sub that part of the job out to somebody for a hundred bucks a month. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's a big piece yep. of it. Um, I would say those are, are probably the two biggest things. And the third, I guess, would be the operations manual that I've been mentioning. If you don't mm -hmm. have all your systems and processes in place and documented, if you, God forbid, got really, really sick and couldn't run your business for a while, can it be run without you? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, then you ought to be scared of that answer. Mm -hmm. You need to have everything so well documented that I could sit in your seat, read your documentation and execute your tasks for you while you're down. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so quick, quick follow on. Sorry, Kathleen. Can I, again, I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to talking. Quick follow on. <laughs> do you do you know? Do you notice that with your clients who've spent time in the corporate world, that they have a different mindset to someone who's gone, say, from an epic academic solo type function into entrepreneurship. And I, I look back at my experience in the corporate world many years ago before. I, my own business and I'm dating myself. I had a secretary and a whole lot of assistants, right? So I didn't book my own air travel. And I found missing that resource was a huge problem when I started in business on my own, but at least I'd, I'd had the experience. So as and when funds come in, I'm more than happy to, you know, employ people or, or um, contract people. So do you find a difference in mindset with people with corporate experience? Absolutely. For exactly what you just said. Yeah. They have the experience, they have the background, they already know how things work and they are bringing that to the table as they're you know, growing and scaling their business. So that's why my targets really are women in business who started like I did. They have a passion. Right. Um, they don't necessarily, I mean, they might have a little corporate experience, but they don't have like what you just described. Mm -hmm. So they don't know those steps. Um, and it's interesting because I don't have that background either. I had to learn all of this. Um, which is why I want to teach it. I want to show them so that they can grow their businesses faster and with less stress. Right. Now you're Good. about to start a new, uh, a new venture. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So um, I have been running a beta mastermind group of seven women all year long, where we meet every Tuesday morning at nine o'clock. I, I wanted to see what would happen because as I mentioned earlier, I cut my learning curve about the promo industry by being in a mastermind group. So I saw the value of it, but I hadn't mm -hmm. run one. So I started up this group um, in January of 22 and we're, you know, 11 months in now. And I keep asking, are you sure you want to keep meeting every week? I mean, I know it's a big obligation. Oh yeah, yeah, this is, this is great. We, you know, we work together, we support each other. It's the only place I can come and talk about my business in a real space. And they tell me it's a safe space and that, uh, 
Um, you know, we've seen some major breakthroughs. One gal realized her calling was to start a nonprofit. It's um, someone, Nancy Becker, that, um, you know, mm -hmm. Peter, you will hopefully be interviewing yeah. soon. Um, another found her niche. She had struggled for a couple of years, just didn't know what she wanted to do. But just a couple months ago, she realized she wanted to build communities mm -hmm. and it lit her up and she started talking about it. And now she's booking clients hand over fist. So watching those kinds of breakthroughs come together in the group is just, it's what lights me up. And so I want to start two more of these masterminds in the new year. Um, for 2023, I'd like to have another two groups of six to eight women that come together because, I mean, we bond. We we know it's a safe space. I won't even let visitors in because somebody just asked recently. I was like, no, can't do that. I'll run a sample one publicly where you can come check it out what it's like there. But no, I, I can't violate that. We are just way too close as a group. We can tell each other anything. We will even tell you if your idea is stupid. I mean, we're that blunt with each other. <laughs> So, but it's a really amazing space and I'm looking forward to uh, facilitating a couple more of these groups because it's a talent I didn't know I had till this year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Excellent. That sounds like a really good idea. Uh, Kathleen, maybe maybe you should get on the waiting list and then I can feed questions for you. <laughs> sure. <Or> Sandy and <laughs> her. Sure. Um, Sandy, one of the, I know that you're active on social media. Um, one of the oldest channels, Twitter, and I've been on Twitter since 2008, can you believe? Uh, but it's undergoing all sorts of changes, uh, and some people are predicting its demise. And we're seeing all these new alternatives, like uh, as we were talking about in, in the Discord group, uh, Mastodon, which I find really difficult, and a whole lot of others. So so what's your advice to to your clients um, for, for looking at the, the best channels for them for their businesses? Because... As you just said, when we are entrepreneurs, we can't do everything ourselves and, and social media takes time. So what's your advice to them? Uh, you are absolutely right. You cannot be all places at all times unless you're not going to do anything else in your business. Yeah. You can afford to do that. Mm -hmm. So um, I like to use a fishing analogy. Mm -hmm. First, you've got to know who, who you're fishing for. And so you've got to clearly define what that person looks like that you're trying to reach. Once you know that, you have to know where they live. So, for example, if you're doing some kind of retail business, you're probably going to hang out on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok because they go direct to the consumer a lot more. Right. I'm working with B2B businesswomen. So for me, LinkedIn is my platform mm -hmm. um, and actually Pinterest and YouTube. So mm -hmm. it's it's a comprehensive thing, but you can only put a lot of time into one usually if you want yep. to be very visible. So for me, I've chosen right now, LinkedIn is where I spend the most time. Um, I'm, I'm getting engagement and, and making connections. Um, it's, it's worth the time I'm spending there. There's a caveat to that, though. All of these that we have named are what we call rented platforms. Yep. And you do not want to put all your eggs in those baskets. In fact, what I have often advise my clients is you create your content on your website first as a blog yep. post or as a YouTube video or Vimeo, whatever platform you want to use, but create it in video form, a podcast or a blog post, those three. And that way you own your content. Then yep. you can push it out to the social media. You could take your blog post and repurpose it as an article on LinkedIn, or you could just make it a post and discuss it. Or you can um, take snippets of it and put it on Instagram, or you could talk a little bit about it in, as I'm doing, right, as a podcast guest. But everything needs to start on your property, which yep. is your website. 
because it's the only thing you can own. Anything right. beyond that, I mean, if I had a little scare, LinkedIn quit working about a week or so ago, and I freaked out for a minute, and I thought that's not good. That I no, I can't let that happen. I can't let myself be so tied up in a rented platform that I'm going to freak out if it goes down. Like you're yep. talking about Twitter. Uh, fortunately, I don't have much invested over there. So if it goes down, it's not going to bother me at all. Am I there? Yes. So that's my other point. Just because you're fishing in one particular platform doesn't mean you ignore being everywhere else. But I might only tweet once a week, once every two weeks. I'm not there a lot. But if you look for me, you'll find me. If you look for me on Instagram, you'll find me. But I'm not there. I'm not a graphics person. So that's the advice I give as far as how to use these social media platforms. Right. So thanks for that. What are the implications for entrepreneurs uh, due to the advances in Web3 and AI-generated text, video, and graphic content? Um, That's a really good question. So it's funny. As much as I love tech, this doesn't scare me or threaten me because I'm me, and there is no AI that will ever be me. Mm -hmm. Kathleen, you're you. Peter, you're you. Nobody can replace us as human beings. Right. To me, AI is just another tool. It's a pencil. It's a pen. It's a piece of paper. It's another tool that can be utilized for automation and shortcutting. So, you Mm -hmm. know, I was talking about helping my entrepreneurs to look for automations. Well, if you got to write blog posts and you're not really good at that, there are tools that you could use that could draft you a blog post. Mm-hmm. And I say that intentionally. No one should publish a blog post that comes out of an AI generated thing. And I, I say that as, as someone who's bought a, a script writing program, I haven't even used it yet, but I intend to for this reason. You can put your basic ideas in there and let it write it. But you have got to come back and humanize that and make sure it's in your voice. Mm-hmm. Why? people aren't going to believe it if it doesn't sound like you if you've been posting as yourself all along and now you suddenly start putting up this ai stuff they're gonna be that's not authentic that's not that i know what that person is like and how they talk that doesn't sound like them so they've either hired somebody or they're using ai it's going to put people off so there is a place for it but i don't think it's going to overcome the human factor we still have to stay in play Right. Absolutely. I, I, I really believe it's going to create opportunities for good content creators mm-hmm. because too many average content creators are going to rely exactly as you said on AI right. and not polish it. So those of us who can come up with our own stuff and polish it well, I think we'll have a better chance of standing out from the crowd. Mm-hmm. So now I, I have what we call our burning question for you. This is one that we ask all successful guests and you're certainly very much in that category. So, Sandy, in in your wide experience of your own businesses, teaching, helping women entrepreneurs, masterminds, the whole deal, is there one characteristic or mindset or or a habit that differentiates those who become successful? And I don't just mean becoming wealthy. I mean having a balanced life, being good in all aspects from those that remain average or never really make it. Is there one thing or is it more more complicated? Um. Well, I mean, anyone would tell you that an entrepreneur needs to be focused and determined and have passion for what they're doing. Uh, And forgive me, because this was such an intriguing question. I wrote myself a really long answer that I wanted to talk about it. But I think think the key for taking a business from 
just owning a business and scaling and thinking more like a CEO with big vision for what Mm -hmm. it can be and taking it there is really as simple as systems and processes. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you can put the right systems and processes in place, and basically what I mean by that is if you can replace yourself by putting the right systems and processes in place, you have hopes of growing your business to unlimited levels. Mm -hmm. Without Mm -hmm. them, you're, you're pretty much stuck in a job that you created. Right. Yeah, no, it's very important. Sorry, can I just throw in something there that I, I used to hate history at school, and as I became older, I've been become fascinated by history, mm-hmm. and I, I read um, <clears throat> stories about how during the height of the British Empire, massive trading businesses were developed with no technology, where it took three months for a letter to get from England to India mm-hmm. and back, and yet because the the owner could not be there, right? But they had systems and processes and they ran these highly sophisticated and effective businesses without the tools we have today. So I think that proves what you're saying, systems and processes. Right. That's why well, I teach it. Sandy, we're running low on time. How do people contact you? Um, the best way probably to get to me is to go to my website, which is Sandy Solves. And that's Sandy with two E's, which is an unusual spelling, but sandysolves.com um, and you can also find me on LinkedIn you can either look me up by my hashtag Sandy Solves or look for Sandy Rodriguez and that's S-A-N-D-E-E-R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z I used to make my kids learn to spell that in school <laughs> um, but yeah anywhere if you're doing a search for Sandy Rodriguez or Sandy Solves I will come up I'm I'm pretty visible in the digital world Wonderful. Oh, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today, Sandy. And I hope to, I hope that you get to come back at a Wonderful. Yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Excellent. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you. And thank you all so very much again for tuning into our show. And until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.